While Andrew and Craig believe the joy of discovery is crucial to enjoying any well-told tale, they will not shy away from spoiling specific story beats when necessary. Plus, these are books you should have read by now. The Olympics. <laughs> Aren't you excited? I think they would. They would actually have to use cats in as like what? What do you even call the curling? The curling ball? The curling disc? Uh, a stone? The curling stone? The cat stone? You need they would a cat have to use stone. cats as curling stones to make me interested in the Winter Olympics. Okay, how could they make hockey better? How could they put cats in hockey for you? If they just cut out all the hockey part and it was just people in in padding, like hitting each other, that might be. I would like that. Okay, I would watch that. Okay, so boxing, boxing, but with more with more on, like with more protection. Okay, so the reason you don't like boxing is because the dudes are too naked. I didn't say I didn't That's like boxing. Problem. I said I didn't like the Winter Olympics. Don't put words in my mouth. Okay, how can we make figure skating better? Do they need to wear cats as as skates? Um, they all need to be in big costumes, and they need to be like Snoopy on Ice style. Yeah, like like wasn't there like a Rugrats on Ice thing? I think they all need to be like '90s Nicktoons characters. There's a kid on the ice. <laughs> What's there to do? And there's a kid on the ice. They need, I want Hey Arnold. I want. I don't want Cat Dog. You know what I would Cat watch? Cat is the worst. What would you watch? I would watch, like, each country picks their beloved cartoon franchise and has to do, like, an X on Ice show. Oh, I would watch Come that. Because, like, France would do, like, Asterix. I don't know what Russia would do. Maybe they would do, like, Rocky Bullwinkle. <laughs> what? That's <laughs> not... That has Russian stereotypes in it. I don't think it originated in Russia. I don't know anything about cartoons. Man, you really, to... you really did not have enough material to sustain that goof. Well, well, see, that's why I need this to happen so I can learn more about foreign cartoons. <laughs> uh, welcome to Overdue. This is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read. My name is Craig. My name is Andrew. And each week we talk about a new book. Well, not necessarily a new book, but a book that's new to us. Usually not a new book. Usually not a new We're not on the bestseller lists. And that's like emphatically true in my case because I read Bram Stoker's Dracula this week, which was published in <laughs> 1897. Very timely read. Very, yeah, very yeah, timely. It is. It is, of course, a prequel to Stephanie Meyer's Twilight. I was going to ask about that. Yeah. Uh, have you read any of the Twilight books? I have not. My understanding of the Twilight books is that they pretty much jettison like established vampire tropes in favor okay. of sparkly vampires. And I don't I'm not even sure what sparkly vampires means, but All right, so there's no sparkling in Dracula. No. Can't can't is... the Twilight vampires like go out in the day and stuff too? Like it's so mm, maybe <laughs> That's <laughs> That's maybe about. Should have, maybe sort of should have researched that before I went into my that, group. That's just, about. Just, that's the got, bulk of my Twilight knowledge. Is got the, be, the beginning? Maybe? The beginning of a lot of jokes here, but we don't have the know the knowledge, the know how to. 
execute them all the way. We don't even know how to say knowledge. <laughs> no, knowledge. <laughs> well, uh, as is kind of a new tradition, do you want to talk about Bram Stoker before we talk about Dracula? Do you uh, want to talk, about... talk a little bit about Bram Stoker, yeah. Because um, you texted me and you were like, you got to read up about Bram Stoker. And instead I read up about Vlad the Impaler, so I didn't really. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's that's helpful too because he comes into this and I know a little less about him. Okay, but, great. Um, uh, the, Tell me about Bram Stoker. The most interesting thing, I guess, about Bram Stoker is that he wrote this book. He wrote Dracula, and it I don't think it rose to the status that it has today in literary canon until film adaptations started coming out. That sounds about right. And uh, But um, you know, he wrote this book. It did pretty well, but he never got the rights in the U.S. worked out. So like immediately when it came out in the U.S., it was in the public domain. When and he basically he basically never made any money off of it and essentially died penniless. Like, oh, which is really too bad. How? When did he write this? And like, when did he die? Do you know? Um, he died in 1912. Mm-hmm. He was 64. Okay. Had and, they made uh, no, Had they made Nosferatu at that point? I believe that was wasn't that the 20s? That sounds right. Um, I think they made it after he had died, and his um, his yeah, widow, that's twenty two. Yeah, 22. his his widow was was the one who ended up like crusading against the the movie and trying to get the rights back. And actually, like his he had some like oh man, what was it? What's the distant relative of his? There's some Couple distant relative removed. of his. Yeah, like really recently. Who wrote like a sequel to Dracula or like a reboot of Dracula? It's not like the guy who wrote a sequel who made a sequel to Chess. Like, can you make a sequel to? Can you make Dracula two at this point? <laughs> well, it's it's like it's like he wrote it with some man. Why can't I find this? He wrote it with somebody else, and so I think he like partially ghost wrote it, and he's just using the Stoker name. That's like that guy, that's like that Czech author who wrote a sequel to Godot. Like, I don't think it works. <laughs> I don't think that's allowed. Oh, it's called it's called Dracula the Undead, and it's uh, by D-A-C-R-E Stoker. I don't, how would you even pronounce that? Doc- D-A-C-R? D-A-C-R-E. Docker. Docker. Did he just misspell Dracula? No. Well, maybe. Dracula Stoker. Um, it was Bram Stoker's great-grandnephew and also someone named Ian Holt. And it came out in 2009, <laughs> and Aww. it got it got mixed reviews. So that's that's good, good for that. But yeah, those that was the biggest thing about Bram Stoker that that I wanted to share was just that he was he did not get the U.S. rights to his book. He died without much money, and for a long time anyway, his um his family was like fighting to try and get the rights of the story back. I think part of the problem. Uh that probably led to all of the films being made was that he ended up being pretty popular in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I know like Whitman was one of his favorite writers and he, I think he met one or two presidents like he, he had decent success over here and then that would make sense why we jumped on it with the, with Hollywood film train. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the other thing to talk about is that again, like a lot of these 19th century books, it was written or at least inspired by a lot of uh, the penny novels and, 
you know, books that were being published in magazines yeah, and man, stuff. Yeah, that, that was because, okay, so Bram Stoker, and I think a lot of what we're going to talk about in this podcast is maybe vampires and Dracula in general, um, instead of the events in the book. Like, I can give you a quick bot summary, but. All right, we'll get there. Um, part of the interesting thing about the, my research for this show was finding, like, tracing the lineage of vampires, like, I think Stoker popularized and like canonized a lot of stuff that most vampire fiction has gone back to. Like they suck blood, they're nocturnal, they can't go out in the sun, they hate garlic, they hate what a weird religious one. What symbols. What is that garlic thing? I have, from? I don't know. Maybe maybe Stoker hated garlic. Oh my he god! He's just like, man. What if the vampires hated garlic? Ew, it's so gross. What if you like if a kid like if a kid thought he invented vampires and he'd be like, oh, and they're allergic to Brussels sprouts. Ew. Ew. Gross. <laughs> this vampire he can't eat pizza. <laughs> How terrible for him. Lots of pizzas have garlic, you know. It would be hard. Oh my god, he he couldn't eat at Papa John's. <laughs> so yeah, there there are two big works that are kind of cited as the genesis of the vampire in popular fiction that Stoker then like um built on top of one was yeah like you said it was uh it was a character in some penny novels and the the books themselves are actually called penny dreadfuls which yeah, i thought penny was dreadfuls re- I thought was really funny that's a great name for gothic <laughs> stories i love it um uh, his name is varney the vampire that's the best name <laughs> just makes me think of jim varney my computer like wouldn't Ernest. let me. T- yeah, it, my. Oh man, Ernest. Ernest goes to Transylvania. It'd be a great movie. He, uh, Varney the Vampire. My computer wouldn't let me type it when I was doing research. It kept correcting it to Barney the Vampire. <laughs> Did you mean Varney the Vampire? <laughs> and it sounds more and more like a children's. Another again, like an on ice show. It's Barney the Varney Vampire. Varney the Vampire. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's it's. That was published in like the mid eighteen hundreds, um, and the like the total number of words written about Varney the Vampire was a uh, six hundred sixty seven thousand. Oh my god! Now six, yeah, is that right? Six hundred six six, yeah, six hundred sixty seven thousand. I'm bad at that's numbers. a lot. But that isn't that where a lot of the um, like superhuman strength and they're definitely immortal kind of stuff yeah you get um they definitely have fangs they leave puncture wounds in the necks of victims superhuman strength and then um hypnotic powers too and where you get and with uh in dracula and in some other modern vampire fiction like i think i'm probably thinking mostly of buffy when i'm thinking of other vampire fiction i don't okay that's just one prominent example but um, like the blood sucking and the hypnosis and stuff is often given like sexual connotations. Yeah, especially as you find a way to modernize it. Yeah, and you don't um, just hypnotize people anymore. And some of that came from uh, Carmilla, which was an 1872 book that was about oh, a lesbian vampire. Oh, that's right. She killed a bunch of people, right? Well, I mean, that's that's generally what vampires do. Yeah, womp womp womp. <laughs> Uh, did you find anything about um, what's her name, uh, Emily Gerard? I did not. Did you? Uh, yeah, she's a writer. She was uh, published a couple books under a pseudonym like E. D. Gerard or whatever, because people weren't going to publish her if she was a woman. That kind yeah, of thing. Right. Um, 
she did a lot of research on Transylvania and Transylvanian folklore. And she, along with Bram Stoker, well, she's kind of credited as being the inspiration for Bram Stoker's take on Transylvania. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wrote this thing called Transylvanian Superstitions. And then she wrote another follow-up book in 1885. And she kind of came up with three reasons why this is like the perfect place for monsters and goblins and stuff. Like what's, it's the, this, what's the thrust of it? The, that there are three... It's like... It's a crazy landscape, so it looks like there should be monsters there. Uh, there were gypsies everywhere, and they have crazy folklore. And it's they all sorts of German influence from, like, Grimm and other kind of folklore. So it all kind of mingled together into this perfect storm of hobgoblins and werewolves and vampires. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Stoker is the one who obviously popularized it as the cartoonish Transylvania that it is now. <laughs> and I'm sure anyone who lives there lives there like hates that. I don't well, well, I, I don't know. I don't think that Stoker made it intentionally cartoonish, but I think that subsequent adaptations definitely have. Like as as far as I know, like in my imagination, all of Transylvania is just like a dark pine forest and like a ruinous castle on top of a hill. And always like always thundering. Always, always light, thundering. Always lightninging. There's an angry owl when I first look at it. There may, right? yeah, there may be an angry owl, <laughs> like up close to the camera, and then he like flies into your face. He, yeah, ah, and he makes a crow noise, which is weird, even yeah. though he's an owl. <laughs> uh, and Bugs Bunny's there fighting that big orange monster. Sometimes, like that's he took my that, Transylvania. He, take, he took that wrong turn in Albuquerque. <laughs> All right, do we want to talk about the book Dracula? I guess we could a little bit. All right, bit. don't don't worry too much about like all of the plot, but tell me I actually don't know what the plot of Dracula is. I think that's part of the, you know, myth running away from the actual source material. Yeah. Okay. So, uh Dracula is an epistolary novel. It's one hey, of those ooh. one of those vocab words that we keep coming back to, which for Remind those of you what it is. For those of you who are just joining in and also for for Craig who has been here for a while um it's a book that is told primarily primarily through like letters or correspondence and the intent is to give it the feel of like a diary or something that really happened so what you're saying this is dracula's diary it's not dracula's diary dracula is never heard from directly okay um it's mostly the adventures of a few um, a few people who are affected by Dracula's like his machinations and like end up hunting him, and then sometimes there's some like related newspaper clippings. Okay, and um, actually, it, it I mean it happens in the book a couple times is the the characters will refer to like writing all their stuff down and like collecting all of it together into a book so it all makes sense. Oh, weird. And so you're I, the what they never are super explicit about it, but what you're supposed to come away f- from this you know thinking is that this is the this is like the collection of notes and stuff that they actually brought together themselves and you're just i love that i love that about 18th and 19th century books that it's like this is the record you're holding the actual document right it's it lends it an odd sense of veracity that it doesn't that it definitely doesn't have mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but totally seems to be the point of people buying into these kind of uh heightened you know supernatural stories right 
So yeah, there are, there are a few characters in this, but I'm going to try and keep it. I'm going to try and keep the synopsis part of the book slim. So basically, uh, the beginning of the book, you're with this guy, Jonathan Harker, who is a solicitor who's going to uh, Castle Dracula to to close some business, like Count Dracula, who... And, and to interrupt myself for a second, like... <laughs> As soon as they started talking about Count Dracula, like it's so ingrained now that he is a vampire that I don't know how. I don't know. Like I just started reading it and I was like, oh, yeah, OK, the vampire and all the characters are totally oblivious to it. Yeah, I talked about that when we were when we read. Um, was it Jekyll and Hyde? Might have been Jekyll and Hyde where it's like the because it's not told from his perspective. There's a long period of the book where the the characters are kind of guessing as to what's going on right and you're just like hey, it's, he's, he's jekyll and hyde <laughs> right. like well how don't you know this story yeah so jonathan harker is going to castle dracula and like all the all the like rustic villagers and stuff are like crossing themselves and giving him garlic and stuff <laughs> like, and like it's obvious to the reader what's going on <laughs> that's they interesting know, they know something is up they know something is something is rotten at castle dracula uh-oh um, so why so why is he going there? What is the point? He's going there because Dracula has bought property in London and he's going there to like give him the lay of the land and just to get all the paperwork in order. Interesting. Yeah, so it's it's there are a few things in this book where like things happen because they need to happen that way. Otherwise it's not the progress. plot. Yeah, otherwise yeah, it's not like, the plot. Like right. a little later once once people start trying to put the pieces together like a lot of the time stuff just happens because they decide kind of arbitrarily not to share crucial information with one of the other characters no and if they had just said something they everything would have been fine anyway so jonathan harker goes to castle dracula and he thinks the count is a little weird at first but a few days into his stay there it becomes clear that he is being kept prisoner and he cannot get out of the castle and that, in fact, the only people there are him and Dracula. There are, like, no servants or, or anything like that. And so he starts trying to explore and investigate and figure out what exactly is going on. And in the end, like, he finds Dracula, you know, like, during the day, Dracula will have, has a lay in his, his grave, like, on this Transylvanian dirt <laughs> oh, that weird. becomes important later. And so he barely he like he barely escapes with his life after wounding the the sleeping Dracula in the head with like a shovel. But he doesn't he doesn't kill him. He just he just gets away barely. And then you cut over to England, and you've got all these people. There's um there's Mina Harker who is uh uh at the beginning of the book she and Jonathan are just engaged, but then they get married. Okay, uh, all right, like midway. Um, and then there's her friend Lucy. And Lucy has three dudes who all propose marriage to her on the same day. Weird. There's uh, Arthur, Jack, and Quincy. I'll just, we'll be on first name basis with these people. Great. I'm already cool with them. And yep. so, yeah, Lucy and Mina are hanging out and um, this ship comes into harbor at the town and the captain is dead, lashed to the steering wheel. And this big dog just hops off it and runs off into the wilderness. And um, the only thing on the boat was like a bunch of boxes of dirt that are supposed to be delivered to various places throughout throughout London. 
Wait a second. Yeah, you're putting it together. This is so, I'm going to Sherlock this one. <laughs> <laughs> so after after this happens, weird stuff begins happening to Lucy. Like of her three suitors, Arthur is the one who she consents to marry. Okay. But Jack and Quincy like are still friends with her and still love her a lot. And um, Sounds like a good deal. Yeah, so so Jack like notices the stuff going wrong so he calls this guy he knows a professor named abraham van helsing heck yeah whose name should be familiar to you from the terrible movie van helsing is that a hugh jackman joint i i think it is a hugh jackman joint oh yeah (laughs) and so through through many through many adventures they sort of put together or here's the thing about van helsing is he seems to know what's going on like pretty much from the beginning like he's, you know, he's put garlic in the rooms. He's doing blood transfusions. He's like, and are, is everyone like, why are you doing all this stuff? He's he's Van Helsing's just like, dude, you've known me for a long time. He's talking to Jack. Like Jack and Van Helsing are friends. Okay. And Van Helsing says, "Have I ever steered you wrong? You've always trusted me before. Now trust me in this." Sounds very Sherlock of him. Yeah, it's it's a little it's a little Sherlock of him. So Van Helsing kind of knows what's going on pretty much the whole time and is doing what he needs to do to like ward off the vampires but people keep doing dumb stuff that gets in the way like he one night after giving lucy a blood transfusion he spreads all this garlic through the through the room and puts garlic around the windows and closes the shades and then lucy's mom goes in there and says well she looked so much better and i opened the window to give her some fresh air and i took all those stinky garlic flowers from from around the window and it's just it's one bad thing happens after another and then lucy eventually dies and she gets buried and then after that there are reports of a woman who's like luring children away and like biting them on the neck and so van helsing takes jack and arthur and quincy to the grave and shows them okay during the night lucy is not there and then okay. during the day she comes back and that is like it's like he could have told them what was going on the whole time but i guess he wanted them to have proof or like to believe him so he so he, he let made her sure yeah become he, a vampire he didn't let her become a vampire like he does try really 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 hard to save her but once she is a vampire he uses her as proof to like show just what is happening i guess okay that's fair they they kill lucy and then mina and jonathan are back in the mix and they're all like they're all tracking down they're all trying to track down these boxes of dirt that dracula's kind of spread through london because what he's basically trying to do is set up multiple bases of operations so he can start (laughs) so he can start like sucking everybody's blood and making everybody into vampires weird so he's just straight up like, I'm going to conquer the world. Yeah, like there, there are a lot of references to him having a childlike brain in some ways. Like, Interesting. Like he maintains some of his memories and some of his cunning from when he was alive. But in terms of like planning, like he's been a vampire for hundreds of years. Okay. And it, he's only now getting to the point where he's trying to build out and like bring other people under his under his thumb he got a little bored yeah so so um they are going all around london like tracking down these boxes of dirt and like putting holy water in them and making them useless to dracula basically 
and Dracula knows they're onto him. And he, on his last box of dirt, makes a break for Transylvania and they track him down and they finally kill him. Oh, and there's like this, there's, there's a time element to it too, because Mina has been bitten. Well, okay. The way that people turn into a, (laughs) into a vampire in this book. Into a Dracula. Into a Dracula. Just getting their blood sucked is not enough. They have to have their blood sucked and then also suck Dracula's blood. That seems to be fitting with with versions of vampirism that I know. Yeah, and so Mina's been made to do this, and she is, like, fighting, you know, turning into a vampire this whole time. And they finally, at the end, they catch up with him, they kill Dracula, and she's fine. I mean, Quincy dies, and and then Jonathan and Mina name their first kid after him, and that's the book, pretty much. How did how did Lucy become a vampire? Is that ever explained? Well, I mean there there's there are several nights like she gets th- four blood transfusions, one each from Arthur, Jack, Quincy and Van Helsing. Okay. And um the first three times she's like okay, but then the last time Dracula gets to her, he makes her suck his blood too. Oh, like okay. that that's you hear about that scene from Lucy's perspective like she has written about this all the stuff that's happening on the last night and her like her elderly infirm mother like has a heart attack and dies and like the the there is this bat beating on the window and all this terrible stuff is happening and so she's like quote unquote alive and still Lucy for a couple of days after that but she you know she eventually dies and becomes a monster Right. So there is like there's a transitionary period between when people are, I guess, quote unquote, infected and when they become vampires. That makes and, sense. And the amount of time it takes depends, I guess, on inner strength. It depends on how pure the, you are as well, a Christian. Yeah, how pure you are, because all the characters are always going on about how pure and great Mina is. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's also an element of. Like, how much is Dracula trying to exert his will over you? Because he's a magic the, man. Yeah. Like, by the end, they're chasing him and they're kind of you like Mina has kind of a bond with with him that if she if they put her under, like the hypnotizer, she can kind of hear what he hears. Mm. And so that's how they're tracking him for a while. And he's trying mm-hmm. to distance himself from from that. And so that's what's slowing her transformation down a little bit, I think. But yeah, it's 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 mostly just an adventure story and it's kind of a mystery story too even though it's it's clear to a modern reader from the outset what is actually going on. Yeah, do you so you think some of that mystery is clearly like what is happening? Why is this happening to us? Yeah, like I don't know if I don't know if a contemporary reader would immediately know what was up unless with, they'd heard about Dracula. it maybe. But like I feel like I feel like to a reader, all the stuff is more obvious than it is to the people in the book. And maybe maybe that's why I was a little, I was telling you earlier, I was a little frustrated by how long it was. Not that it was bad, but that I think a lot of that, a lot of that stuff where they're trying to figure it out plods a little bit because it's so obvious what's going on the whole time. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. That happens. That happens in Jekyll and Hyde, too. Um there's Jekyll and Hyde's a much shorter book. I mean, Dracula's like 400 pages long. Oh, God. Or Jekyll and Hyde was, I think, maybe closer to 100 and something. So what is Dracula like? Like, I think 
at this point, any version of Dracula is no longer faithful to this Dracula. Like I don't, I don't even know how you make a Dracula that is not your own Dracula at this point. Um, I, his his apparent age varies a little bit. I think depending on how recently he's fed, and so okay. sometimes sometimes he's an older gentleman with like a mustache and and big eyebrows and just really white hair. Um, sometimes he looks a little younger. He has darker hair, and that that happens after he's you know after he's had a had a good meal. I think. <laughs> um, you spend most of your time with Dracula himself, kind of at the beginning of the book. And okay. he's very like. He's very well spoken. Like he's speaking English to Jonathan, but he's speaking. Is there a sense that he talks like this. He's. <laughs> He is speaking a little weird because I think the only English he knows he's gotten from books. Because I am from Transylvania. So part, I mean, part of the reason why he has Jonathan out there and is is talking with them for so long is to get a sense of how people actually talk, of how the society works. Like he's done, he's done his basic research, but he needs to speak with somebody who's actually from there to like blend in a little bit better so people suspect him less basically well and there's a little bit of austin powers man at a time right because he's like he's from a couple hundred years ago i don't know about austin powers but okay well austin powers (laughs) is british it it kind of (laughs) fits sex yes please yeah Okay. Austin Powers jokes. Sure. Yeah. No, it's that's great. Groovy baby. One million dollars. Preparation H. Okay, let's move on. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well you want to talk maybe about vampires. So let's talk about Bram Stoker vampires. What are what is he like? What is it what is his deal? What are his special powers? Where do they come from? Yeah, I mean, you you do so you you know you get the blood sucking, um, you get the the pinpricks, you get the thing where to turn somebody else into a vampire, he has to cut himself basically and make them drink his blood. Okay, does he need um, to get bit by it, or does he just need to like pour it down their mouth? No, he he basically when he infects Mina, they see him like cut himself and push her, you know, push her down on the on the wound. Okay, all right, yeah. Um, he has super strength, like the strength of about 40 men, I think is usually what they say. Though, I mean, that's, that's probably just a ballpark, ballpark figure. (laughs) Okay. Um, he can, he is the dog that gets off the boat. So, you know, he has at least some power of transformation. Um, he is, you know, he's a bat a few times. Oh, he's the dog. Yeah. Dracula's see that coming. Yeah. So he's also a werewolf. Yeah, he can, he can turn into various things. I mean, the dog and the bat are the two that you actually get to see. I'm not sure if there are limits on that on that power or not. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Oh, he he can control wolves. He can have them do what he wants, which is cool. Why not? <laughs> and what are his hypnosis powers like? Um, he can just kind of entrance people, and I think the implication is that especially once he's bitten somebody they become way more susceptible to his his will. So the implication is that when Lucy is doing all of her sleepwalking and stuff, like Dracula has has kind of picked her out to target. Mm. And mm. so and then there's also there's also a an asylum patient that uh Jack has 
named Renfield. Who um, the thing the thing with vampires is they cannot come into a building unless they are invited, which is another okay, so common trope. I think. Yeah, this is part of that book too. Yeah, and okay. so um, Renfield, like Dracula, talks to him and like and makes him makes him call makes Renfield call Dracula master, and that's how he gets into the house to attack Mina in the first place. Is he? He gets in through Renfield, so he he does so, have this this power of persuasion. Okay, over, so he has over. to be invited, but he can like force power you into. He can be him. like, "Oh, hey, hey, come on, man, it'll be cool. Why don't you let me in? I got hey, the six pack and these cool records. Let me in. <laughs> I have candy. <laughs> That's, whoa, that got weird. <laughs> I picked up a I picked up a czar for us to That's eat so while weird. we watch the Olympics. Oh, I said no garlic. <laughs> no garlic, no. <laughs> Papa John's. You got me again. How does this jive with the vampires that you are familiar with, Andrew? I mean, Buffy vampires are pretty much exactly this, right? Except that Buffy vampires have that weird, like, I can look like a person or I look like a demon, but. Yeah, on the I mean, face. I think they, they make that a little. I there's a sense that Dracula is like there's something a little inhuman about him like of course his teeth are sharp his eyes are red I mm-hmm. think for 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 the purposes of Buffy it would be a less effective show if the vampires couldn't disguise themselves a little bit better Oh it'd be less sexy Yeah definitely less sexy like You and, couldn't um, have you just waste David Boreanaz if you leave him in that <laughs> makeup the whole time Um yeah, there is there is some weird stuff with like vampires and sexuality. Like like there are there are three they're referred to, I think, now as the brides of Dracula, even though they're never referred to that. Oh, that's right. He's got they're, ladies, right? Yeah, they're never called that in the book and you don't see them very often. But there yeah, there are these three ladies and they're all like super sexy and voluptuous. And then when Lucy Ooh. dies and becomes a vampire, like they they make all these comments about how she looks even more like voluptuous than she did when she was alive. And just... Is that the word he uses? Is that yes. Bram Stoker's go-to yeah, word? voluptuous comes up a lot. Oh, man. When he means, like, bosomy, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's there's a sense that, like, every time a vampire gets killed, like when Lucy gets killed, when Dracula gets killed at the end, there is a... um. Stoker goes out of his way to mention, like, for that split second between when they, you know, when the vampires get killed and when they turn into dust. Like, Lucy doesn't turn into dust because she hasn't been dead for long enough, but Dracula's been dead for thousands of years, so so he turns into dust pretty fast. But anyway, there's, like, a moment of peace before they disintegrate. Uh, where it's like the evil, killed, the evil yeah. thing is, is fleeing their bodies, and you've kind of freed their soul up to, to you know go up to heaven yep how does uh does he use the legit word vampire yes and he spells it as we are used to it yes um it does not the word vampire does not come up often and it doesn't come up until maybe midway in the book okay and um van helsing's trying to explain it to jack and he actually uses like vampire bats as as a way to like introduce the concept you know so, 
Now I don't know which came first, vampire bats or Draculas. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. All right, while you're looking that up, um, I did do some of that research on Vlad the Impaler. Okay. Who was a 15th century like ruler of that area. Um, when he was a little kid, he, I think it's his father and his brother, um, they were kidnapped by some Ottomans. Um, and they, you know, they were forced to live there and there's speculation that he was tortured and he, his name was Dracula. He was of the house of the Dracules, which means dragon. And he developed this reputation for being really bloody, uh, cause he basically red weddinged a bunch of people and then put them all on spikes. Like he invited a bunch of his enemies over to, to a banquet and then had them stabbed and then impaled them. Man. And then like he would put them up around his territory. He apparently he did that for like to like 20,000 people <laughs> in the 1500s. That seems like a lot of people like that's a lot of people to impale. No wonder he had that name. Yeah. So He's pretty good at impaling. He's pretty good at it. Um <laughs> Um, apparently when you impaled people back then Andrew you wouldn't always use a sharp pole sometimes it would be round so that mm -hmm. it wouldn't damage as many organs yikes and then you'd just be up there longer so what do you want the organs for no no you just don't want them to die so quick oh ew yeah isn't that's, that messed that's up that's the pits Vlad the impaler is the worst <laughs> <laughs> yeah there, there are some scattered references to you know who dracula would have been and the implication that yeah he is he's he's vlad the impaler or he's of this this family yeah like he was betrayed by his brother or something which did happen to the real vlad the impaler yeah but it's not it's not clear like who who vampires the vampires like where did where did it come <laughs> from in the first place Um, I do want to say the Oxford English Dictionary dates the first appearance of the word vampire in English from 1734. Okay. And um, I think the bats come from the Americas and were not discovered until later. So I, th I think the bats are named after the monster. Okay. The vampire. Yeah. All right. Anything else about Dracula's? Anything else about... Oh, yeah. Uh, to kill them, you do need to do the old stake in the heart thing. And then usually, if they don't just disintegrate on the spot, um, cutting off the head and stuffing the mouthful of garlic is... Yeah, is eat that common. garlic, dirty vampire. So, eat so, yeah, it. Yeah, that's what, that's what Van Helsing does to, to Lucy after they... Uh, after. He actually makes... <laughs> he makes Arthur, Lucy's fiance, kill vampire Lucy... To like, like after Van Helsing has proved that she's a monster, he makes Arthur do that to like, I don't know. Like Better to, send to her just, to heaven, to I guess. To just drive it home, I guess. Yeah, like the, he does reference their their bond of love and it should be you that, that frees her spirit or whatever. Yeah, that's probably important. I mean, is Van Helsing a jerk? What is it? Is he he's the one who finally jerk. kills he's Dracula? A, he's a bit of a weirdo. Um, All right. But I, no, saw, I, I saw some ghost hunters on TV the other day. They were super weird. I imagine that Van Helsing is basically just a ghost hunter person <laughs> who just Van happens Helsing, to actually have things to hunt. 
Right. Yes. Van Helsing kills the brides of Dracula. I think it might be Jack or Quincy who kills Dracula himself. I don't remember. It's been about a week since I finished the finished the book. So. Finished the book. All right. Cool. But you said you liked it. I did like it. Yeah. It's one of those like a lot of these like Jekyll and Hyde, Frankenstein. This one. A lot of those these these books where these popular monsters originate are really fun to read because it's it's. You know, there's a, there's a sense that you, man, I want to start that sentence again. Um, you want to, you get to figure out what the monster was like, like where this popular, the first popular image of this monster came from, mm-hmm. and you and you get to track what has made it from there to the present day. Well, yeah, and it's still going. Like vampires are still going. I don't know. I you might have, have you, thought yeah, they were going... done with Twilight. <laughs> I saw a trailer for a movie like a month or two ago called Vampire Academy. Like, it's just more. Is it a place where people go to learn how to be vampires? Like, I majored in vampires with a minor in like hypnotism. I I think it's more. (laughs) I think it's more like X Men. Like, I think if you are a vampire, you have to go to this school. But then, do you like fight crime? Like, I don't. I don't know. I didn't see Vampire Academy. See, here's the thing about modern vampires that i think again though i i do like buffy mostly Mm -hmm. i think that it's buffy's fault is introducing the brooding vampire who wants to be your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever like okay so dracula wasn't looking for a boyfriend or a girlfriend he just wanted the world i I believe that's the uh that's the case yeah okay Vampires I mean, he, are like soulless creatures who are who do not have a whole lot of. I don't know. They 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 don't want to work with people to fight crime. Basically, <laughs> no. I think I don't know much more about the character than this, but it, apparently, the idea of the vampire who feels bad about being a vampire that dates all the way back to Varney to our good really? friend Varney. Yeah. But that was also in um that uh what was that radio show that they just turned into that Johnny Depp movie. Um, Lone Ranger, dark, dark, strangers, dark. That sounds vaguely familiar. Ah, uh, God, I don't know. I don't want to look it up. Um, but there are definitely characters that have been the like, oh no, I'm a vampire. What do I do? And you know, you have all the Anne Rice vampires that explore those themes as well. Yeah, I mean, I think there's in monster fiction there is there's just kind of the straightforward kind, like like you see in a lot of zombie books, like you see in Dracula, like you see in a lot of others where there's nothing of what the person once was left mm-hmm, mm-hmm. after they turn into a monster. And then a popular variation on that is always, you know, what what if they retain their memories? What if they could be saved? What if there's part of what they were that's still in there? Which I think maybe is worse, right? Like, yeah, that's that's the reason. A, yeah. The reason that Arthur can bring himself to kill Lucy is because he's been convinced by Van Helsing that there's nothing left of the woman he loved in her. Oh, and that's you. You see that storyline play out almost every other week on The Walking Dead. Yeah, <laughs> basically <laughs> every every season they meet at least one person who's like, no, they're totally still people. Yeah, they're totally still people, you guys. Yeah. And then that person has to die to learn their lesson. <laughs> So I think that's more that's I mean, may, maybe it's it's been dulled a little bit by just having been done so many times. But I can definitely see why that would be more horrific. Like it would be much worse, I think, for Arthur if Lucy 
like maybe she was evil sometimes, but like good during the day or, or if there was some, if there was some element or if there was some hope or something that she could be brought back. Yeah. And it's a similar thing where it's like Frankenstein, the book is a little more intellectually interesting than the movie because the monster is aware that it's a monster and is aware that it can't fit in and is aware that it is driven to do terrible things by what it's, how it's been treated, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. Different than fire bad, you know? Yeah, that's it's it's too bad when monsters get reduced to that for the purposes of movies because I think that's that's a lot less interesting than I don't know. I I it's also common I think to do this like transformational stuff in monster fiction so that you know the writers or the actors or whatever are making people evaluate their own monstrosity through this more, Man, more overtly monstrous thing. Yeah. How dare we kill these vampires? He's the most Man dangerous is the real vampire. <laughs> <laughs> Which well, also thanks. is maybe overdone. I mean, there's nothing new under no. the sun, right? Like, no, there's all the stories have been told. Um, but if there are some stories we still haven't read, you can uh, tell us about <laughs> them by writing in to overduepod at gmail.com. You can also tweet them at us at overdue pod or put them on our facebook page facebook.com slash overdue pod we've got a couple new followers in the past couple weeks so thank you guys for joining yeah. on the train um we've also got a website up at overduepodcast.com and that's where we post each week's episode um that's where we announce the books that we're going to be reading in in the next two weeks uh, we also put amazon links up there so if you want to read along or if you want to know more about a particular book that we've read um, you can click those. You can buy it. We get a little bit of that money, which helps defray uh, hosting costs and things. Uh, we've also got an RSS feed that you can use to subscribe in your uh, feed reader of choice. And we've got an iTunes link to our podcast in the iTunes store. If you want to go there and rate and review us, that helps us in the rankings and that helps gives us feedback we can use to improve the show. So we do really appreciate that a lot. Last week actually was our, our one year anniversary and we Woo. missed it like jerks. Woo. So. <laughs> Just like any good Valentine's Day, we we missed yeah, we just, it by a for, few days. We forgot. I think I remembered that it was our one year anniversary, like maybe an hour after the day was over yep. or something. Yep. <laughs> so thanks to everyone who stuck with us, and uh, thanks to everyone who's gonna keep keep on keeping on. Yeah, and uh, d- you know, if you want to recommend the show to your friends or whatever, we we do really appreciate that and that helps us build our listenership so thank you very much craig what are you reading next week cast cradle kurt vonnegut (laughs) okay good everybody try to be happy